All right, so we're next to this chapter 20, and this is where we get the Ten Commandments. And I want you to notice something that God says after uh, giving the commandment about graven images and bowing to them. He says in verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that me and keep my commandments. And here we see how there's things that God uh, that upset him so much that the problems that are going to come from those are going to go to the next generation. And isn't that something that we commonly see just in families where you have a drunkard and then what does he begat? Another drunkard, you know, and we see the same type of sins going on from family to family. We have entire cultures today that are just a mess, and they all have the same problems. Why is that? It's something they got from their fathers. It's something that they learned from them. Thank God we can break those curses today, thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. We can overcome those things. If you came from a background like that, you don't have to continue that type of thing. You can you can end that. You can stop that. But most of the time, it doesn't stop, does it? It just keeps going. But just like we have, you know, those iniquities being visited in the next generation. God shows mercy to those who love him. And he, he shows mercy even more than he shows judgment. You know, God shows, he visits the iniquity to the third and fourth generation, but he shows mercy unto thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. And one thing that we need to do, if we are going to stop these kind of generational things, and this is something we see in the Bible, and I'm not going to preach a message on breaking these curses tonight, but if we're going to stop these things, one thing that we have to do when it comes to like generational curses and things is we have to confess the sins of our fathers. We have to recognize what those things are, and we have, we have to acknowledge them, and we have to turn from those things. That is a very important thing to do. Now, in this New Testament era that we're in, in this Christian age, we know that it's not about bloodlines so much today, is it? It's not really about bloodlines. It's not where you descend from. Uh, I believe if you're saved today, you are in Christ. And, you know, those things really are irrelevant in many ways. But at the same time, spiritually speaking, I believe the principle applies. And what I want to talk about right now um, I want to start a new series. This is going to be a kind of a controversial series, and I'm not trying to be controversial. This is just something that I really think it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be talked about. And uh, basically, the title of the series is Confessing the Sins of the IFB. Confessing the Sins of the IFB. This is just kind of an introduction message. I'm going to get specific in the next weeks, but did you guys know the IFB isn't perfect? Anybody know that? It's a, it, It's got some issues. Now, Listen, whenever you start talking about this kind of thing, you often get accused of just being a hater. Right? And trust me, I am not a hater of the IFB. I consider myself IFB. We consider ourselves IFB. But did you know that the IFB historically has had some problems and it suffered as a result of those problems? And we, if we're going to claim that independent fundamental Baptist heritage, if we're not willing to confess the sins that have been in there, and if we're not willing to uh, forsake those things and turn from those things, then you know what? We will have the same problems in our church that they've had in these other churches. And I don't want to deal with those things. But you know what I also don't want to do? I also don't want to just throw out the IFB. 
I don't want to forget about it because there's too much good in the IFB. I've gotten too much benefit. I've been blessed so much because of what the IFB stands for, what they promote, what they teach. I believe there is far more good than bad, but you know, it's not perfect. And we need to be willing to call these things out and name these things and to confess them and to get them right. And so, because um, one, one thing we're going to see too, one thing we see in the Bible is whenever you see these kind of generational thing happen, these things happen, um, you know, the people who get punished, I don't believe we're going to get, God's going to punish us just because we call ourselves IFB. Unless we commit some of the same sins. Then we're going to have some of the same problems. Just like God would not necessarily judge the generations in the Bible who did not do the sins of their fathers, even when judgment or a curse was pronounced on them. If that generation was righteous and turned from those things, God would wait until a generation arose that was doing those sins again before he would bring judgment. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 23. So for example, and we don't have time to go into all the examples, but in Israel, God would often send prophets and they would declare a judgment that was going to come on Israel because of the sins that they did. But then you would have a generation that confessed that sin. And so God wouldn't bring the, gen- the, uh, the judgment on that generation. He waited until another generation arose who did like their fathers did in the past that was wrong. And then God would bring the hammer down on that generation. Now, think about all the bad generations that there were in Israel. And what would we say would be the worst generation? Because a lot of judgment was pronounced on Israel throughout the centuries. But what would we say, I think it should be pretty easy, the worst generation that committed the greatest sin was? What generation would that be? Well, the generation of Jesus' day. They, no doubt, killing Jesus was the ultimate sin that that nation ever could have done. Killing prophets was bad. Okay? And because of them killing the prophets, God was going to bring great judgment on Israel. But notice, God didn't bring it on, on a generation that was righteous. God brought it on the worst of the generations. And look what it says in Matthew 23, verse 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. So referring back to the sins of the previous generations, this generation, Jesus talking, said, we wouldn't have done that. But then in verse 32, it says, fill ye then up the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, All these things shall come upon this generation. And in 70 AD, they got nailed, didn't they? They got nailed big time. And you know what? It was for all the previous generations since. But notice, it wasn't an innocent generation that got nailed for all those previous things. It was literally the worst one. And I believe, you know, had that been a righteous generation, that judgment would have waited. So again, if you, if, if we have, Sin in our past, in our heritage, 
we'll be okay as long as we confess that sin and forsake it. But if we're not willing to do that, if we're just going to go along and do the same things, we will reap the consequences of those things. We will suffer as a result of these things. And so the generation that would usually receive the judgment, it was always the worst generation. We see in Second Kings chapter 23 and verse 23, it says, in the 18th, but in the 18th year of King Josiah, when the Passover was holding to the Lord in Jerusalem, moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and, and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and Jerusalem, did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Notwithstanding, okay, notice Josiah, nobody's been like him in just turning to the Lord. But notice what it says here. Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. So even though Israel is doing wonderful in this time, God says judgment's still coming because of what the previous generation did, because of what Manasseh did. But the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel and will cast off the city Jerusalem, which I have chosen and the house, which I said, my name shall be there. So notice God said, I'm still judging you, Israel. But you know what? It didn't happen in Josiah's day, did it? And Josiah's reign... Things were fine. You know why? Because that generation forsook the, uh, the, uh, the transgressions of the previous generation and they did things the right way. Hilkiah finds the book and they're like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to go back to the book. You know what Josiah didn't do? He said, we're going to stick to the old paths. We're going to do what the previous generation Manasseh did. We're going to honor our heritage. No, you know what their real heritage was? It was the Word of God. It was the Bible. And the previous generation had gotten off track. Big time. And judgment was coming as a result of that. And they got it right. Listen, it's okay, folks, if we as IFB reform a few things. Because the IFB is not perfect. Thank God our Bible never needs reformed. But you know what? Our religious practices might need some reformation every now and then. And we can't get too freaked out when that happens. If all of a sudden we're like, you know, it's something we've been doing for the last 10 years. We probably shouldn't have been doing it. Let's fix that. Well, this is we've never done it that way before. I don't care. It's wrong. We need to fix it. We've always got to be ready for that. I'm not looking to change, but if we need to change, we're going to change. We, ought, we need to be ready for that. So judgment was still coming, but it didn't happen in Josiah's day. And so, again, what people want to do when you say these things, when you actually call out a problem in the IFB, they act like you're just a hater. But you know what? If that's the case, let's look at some haters of Israel. All right, how about Nehemiah? Okay, Nehemiah, notice what he said in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1. Now in the 24th day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God. One fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. You know what they did in Nehemiah's day? They finally recognized and said, you know what? You want to know why we're a mess? You want to know why Israel's dead right now? Because of our iniquities, because of our sins, because of the sins of our fathers. 
And they, you know what they did? They got it right. And you know, there's a reason a lot of IFB churches today are deader than a bag of hammers. You want to know why? It's because of sin. Sometimes because of immorality. Sometimes it's because of the many things we're going to talk about. Sometimes it's because of false doctrine that's crept in. And you know what we need to do when that happens? We need to say, we got this wrong. Let's fix it. Let's confess it. It doesn't mean we hate the IFB. It doesn't mean we hate the previous generation. And folks, I'm telling you right now, I, I could get up here and I could start naming a bunch of preachers that were just a blessing, that were a huge impact on my life. But you know what else I could do with those same guys if I just wanted to be you know, one of these victim recovering fundamentalist types? I could go and I could start talking about some of their faults too. And I could use it as an excuse to forsake all the good things that they taught me. But I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because I don't need to. And I, and I don't hate them. I'm thankful for what they taught me. But I also am going to make sure I focus on the perfect God that they pointed me to, the perfect book that they pointed me to. And you know what? Those guys never claimed to be perfect in the first place. None of them did. And I'm not just going to go and use their faults as an excuse to throw out all the good things that they taught. Because they taught a lot of good things. So Nehemiah, though they did during his day, they confessed the sins. And Daniel, Daniel, we know Daniel loved Israel, but in Daniel chapter nine verse fifteen, he says, "And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renowned at this day. We have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away." from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. I mean, how Daniel speak that way about the previous generation? He wasn't worthy to just, you know, untie or to tie their shoes. He wasn't worthy of these men. He was, you know, imagine these young punks out there talking against the great men. No, we're not talking against the great men, but you know what we are trying to do? We're trying to reform some things that need to be reformed. We're trying to not make some of the same mistakes that the previous generation made. You know, I grew up hearing the kind of preaching that said, you know what? I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes that I made. You know, I grew up being taught, learn from the, pre the mistakes of the previous generation. Don't do some of the same dumb stuff that we did. That's, that's what I was taught growing up. But we've got a generation out there today that just want to be the new popes in the IMB and all that. And what do they do? They go and they just go around traveling all over the country, just lifting up the names of the great men, selling the books of the great men, talking about the great men. I mean, they can't preach a sermon without dropping the names of all the great men. I was preaching with Dr. Howes. I was preaching with Tom Malone. And, and what are they doing? They lift these guys up. And now those guys are all dead and off the scene now. What are they trying to do? They're trying to teach all of you just as I revere the greats of the past, you should revere the greats of your generation. And in case you're wondering who that is, and in case you didn't figure it out, you know, by all the things I've been doing and promoting, uh, it's me. That's exactly what they're doing. That is exact. They, they, cause you know what? When these, these guys are getting older and they know they're going to pass off the scene pretty soon and they don't want to be forgotten. And the truth is, you know, I, I get that a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, I would I would prefer the next generation that comes up after me to preach Christ, Amen. not Tommy McMurtry. I think, and, and that's what we should be shooting for. You know, it's okay. I can be forgotten. I can die. I can pass off the scene. But you know what? 
Jesus Christ, as long as he's still being preached, then that's what matters. Because I don't get, I, you know, people aren't getting saved because of me. They're getting saved because of who I preach. And, and so if others come along and they preach Christ, people will still get saved. The job will get done, even if the world forgets my name. And But too many people are out just trying to create a legacy for them, themselves. We see Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 5, verse 7. He says, Our fathers have sinned and are not. And we have borne their iniquities. We're paying for some of this stuff. You know, and sometimes we do. Sometimes we pay and, and we get accused. I mean, we get accused of just crazy stuff all the time because of weirdos in the IFB. You know, they act like we're harboring perverts in this church. You know, I'm so sick of people just, you know, judging our church based off some other IFB church somewhere else. And you know, I just, I'm putting a challenge out there to the trendies too. All these people too that want to like attack our soul winning and things. I'm just, I will, I, I'm, this is official, all right? I'm putting this out there on the internet. I will go soul winning with any trendy that wants to, as long as I'm talking. All right. I'm not going to go silent partner for them. I want these people to observe my soul winning. I want them to go soul winning with me. I want them to watch me give the gospel to somebody. Watch them call on the Lord for salvation. And then I want them to look me in the eye and tell me that person didn't get saved. Alright? Alright, Pastor Trendy in your skinny jeans. Come on out and see what we're doing out here. Okay? You know, you want to talk about the one time you went out soul winning with some goofball in Bible college. But, you know, come out here. Go, go soul winning with me. Go soul winning with some of the people in our church. And tell me that these people who heard the gospel who understood the gospel, who believed the gospel, who called on the Lord for salvation, you tell me that they're not saved. I, you know, just because I want to hear you admit you're a heretic. And, or that you were ignorant in what you spoke against our church. But Ezra did the same thing. Ezra 9, verse 7, Since the days of our fathers, we have been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, and to spoil, and to confusion of face as it is this day. And now for a little space, grace has been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in His holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. So these guys, all of them, confessing the sins of their fathers. They're, they're calling these things out and they're doing this to make a call to the current generation that let's not do the same thing. Because we are very likely to do what the previous generations have done, aren't we? And make the, you know, some things might be good, some things might be bad though, and we need to fix these things. And when we do the things that God has told us not to do, when we go against God's Word, one thing that we see that God would do in the Bible, and I believe that God is doing this very thing today, is when we just rebel against God. When we sin, when we will not get those things right, you know what we see God, how God handled this type of thing in the Bible? God would raise up, God would raise up enemies in their own house to deal with them. Now look at what it says in 2 Samuel. And one thing we're seeing going on in the IFB world today is we're seeing more and more of these IFBers decide that the IFB is legalistic, 
They now have read their Bibles finally. They got them an ESV instead of a KJV. And they figured out that the IFV is legalistic. It's got all these doctrinal problems. And then they go and then they become these full-blown pink shirt, skinny jean wearing, effeminate trendies. They just happen to look and act just like the world. They just completely have given themselves over to lasciviousness and just following the ways of this world, trying to fit in with this queer, messed up culture that we have today. And then what are they doing? They're going around literally trying to get people to leave their IFB churches. And let me tell you, some place where we could confess some sins, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this this week. I'm not going to really spend any time on this this week. But let's, this, uh, this Bible college model is not working that we're seeing. This big mega church model with the Bible colleges where all the regular churches send their people for training. It's not working. Okay, It works great for that big church. Okay, If everybody wants to send me all the cream of their crop to this church, we'll, our church will do great. I promise. Okay, All I got to do is just scam these people into thinking, let's send all the best people in our church, the young people, to your church. And you know what? Not only are we going to tell them to come there and then they're going to pay their tithes, but they're going to pay us to come and learn how to be a good Christian here. Hey, that, that's a fantastic scam. Hey, but at the same time, uh, you know, that these are not, this is not, that's not the model we should be following. They got a lot of problems in that model. And we're seeing these, these trendies that are coming up today. They are specifically targeting the people in these Bible colleges. That's where, you know, the, the preachers that are out there lamenting you know, the problems, all the trendies and things are causing the recovering fundamentals. The recovering fundamentals, they literally on their website, they have a whole thing on there too, specifically for Bible college students. They're targeting IFB Bible college students. They're wanting to get their contact information. Why? Because they're trying to get the, they're trying to pull these people out of there. They're literally trying to cause division. They're, tr- and, and you know what? It's working in a lot of cases too. They're bragging about all the people contacting them from these other Bible colleges. And then you got the Bible college presidents out there just lamenting the fact we've got all these, you know, feminine trendies out there. You know, what's going on in this world today? You know, we're, you know, the IFB is only five to ten years away from being extinct. No, I'm hoping your mega church Bible college models five to ten years from being extinct. Okay. You know, and that, that was Jack Treber that said that, who embodies a lot of the problems that we're seeing in the IFB. And one of the big ones is cover-ups, which we're covering next week. Okay. I hope that goes extinct. But, you know, I don't think this type of thing is going extinct anytime soon. In fact, I know it's not. Okay, the gates of hell are... If the gates of hell are not going to prevail against God's church, you better believe a bunch of queer little trendies aren't going to prevail against the church. You better believe... And let me tell you something, too, about these recovering types, these trendies, these podcasters. They haven't heard our church at all. I'm not scared of these people at all. I mean, I've pointed some of these people to you. I, I, I refer to them so I can show, hey, just so you guys don't think I'm making this stuff up about these queer little trendies out there, here, here, here they are on display. Listen to what they actually say. Listen to what these people are actually uh, teaching people. You know, I, I, And you can see that I'm not lying. I, I'm not afraid if our people see this kind of thing. But who are these people? They are people from the IFB. Now, let's see what happened with David 
when David committed a great sin, when David sinned with Bathsheba, we'll talk more about the specific sin next week. When David, after he sinned with Bathsheba, ended up murdering Uriah to cover up the sin that he had committed. And look what it says in 2 Samuel 12, 7, And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed the king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and Judah. And if it had not had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children. I can't believe Nathan the prophet talked that way to the man of God. But you know what? The man of God messed up big time. The man of God needed to get called out. God's anointed needed to get called out. Why? Because this was wicked what he did. And he called it in. And, this, and Nathan did. He called it out. But listen to what he said. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. I'm going to take what was yours and I'm going to give it to these evil people out of your own house. And then, uh, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before all the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. But because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So David, he didn't die because of this sin, and he should have died because of this sin. But God was merciful to him. God did not kill him, but punishment still came. And you know what? There's a lot of IFB churches out there. There's a lot of IFB preachers out there. They're great men. They've done great things for God. They are saved. But because of these great sins that they've done, I believe just like God punished David, God has raised up people, evil men, out of their own churches, out of their own houses to basically bring judgment on these churches. That's what I believe is going on today. I believe that God is using these people. I believe the IFB is full of wicked enemies that came from within the movement and it was God that raised them up. I do believe that the recovering fundamentalists are doing the work of the Lord. I believe the Preacher Boys podcast guy and the church split and these trendies that I interact with sometimes, I believe that they're doing the Lord's work. But I believe they're doing the Lord's work just like the Babylonians did the Lord's work in the book of Habakkuk that we've been going through on Wednesdays. I'm not going to take the time to repeat all that. But in the book of Habakkuk, what do we've got? We've got Israel that's in sin. God raises up the Babylonians to bring judgment. Now, were the Babylonians a righteous people? You better believe they weren't righteous people. In fact, Habakkuk got upset that God was using someone who was less righteous than Israel to judge them. But what did God say? God raised them up to bring judgment on them and then God was going to deal with the Babylonians. And let me tell you something. While I believe these people are doing the Lord's work, I believe it's a work of judgment. But do I believe these are righteous men? No, I do not. I've talked with these people. I've interacted with these people. I've listened to enough of their stuff to say without a doubt in my mind, these are evil people. And a lot of people look at that and you know, how could God use people like that? Same way He used the Babylonians. Same way God used men like Absalom 
Men like Shimei, men like Adonijah, people from within David's own house that God raised up, that God allowed to bring death and destruction and problems in David's house because of their sin. And that's what these guys are getting used for right now. God is allowing them to become popular. You know why? Because the IFB isn't fixing anything. The IFB has been called out by actual preachers and men of God and they didn't. They're not answering. They're not dealing with these things. They're not fixing things. They're not stopping the cover-ups. They're not stopping up a lot of the bad, stopping a lot of the bad teaching and the bad practices and things that we'll talk about in previous weeks. They're not stopping any of that stuff. And because of that, God is raising up these people and in their own house that are wreaking havoc in these churches, that are causing all kinds of problems, that are getting their people to leave. And here's the thing that's pathetic too, and it is. It's frustrating to just listen to some guy who's effeminate, some guy, some guy who uh, doesn't have the right gospel, who teaches a hardcore lordship salvation, who dresses like a queer. It's, it's frustrating to listen to somebody like that act like he's all that he's more righteous than the IFB. You know, because when I do when I hear these guys criticizing these people in the IFB, even when the guys in the IFB are wrong, it's my instinct to side with the guy in the IFB. Because who are you to say anything against these guys? And the truth is they are nothing, but yet God often uses evil people like that. Because they're not fixing these things themselves. And so, you know, here's, here's the question that I've had too. Because, you know, I see these things too. And I, and I, you know, these, uh, you know, guys like Eric Swarzynski who are always trying to, uh, expose abuse in the church. I mean, when it comes to pedophiles in the church, I hope he exposes every one of them. I wish him all the success in the world when it comes to marking these perverts and ruining these people's reputation. I, I wish him all the success in the world with that. But the problem is you, you, you listen to that guy and the other junk that he promotes. Some of the guests that he has come on there and just the trash that they teach, it's just like, then you just want to go fight him, right? <laughs> it's like, what is, what is wrong with you? And I, you know, and I would listen to that and, cause I do. I, like a part of me wants him to succeed because I want this stuff exposed. I want these things dealt with. You know, I'm in agreement with him there. These cover-ups need to stop. And we're going we're gonna to talk about how to deal with abuse and uh, things like that next week. But at the same I remember thinking, why can't we have someone within the IFB that's sane, that's saved, that's not a nut job heretic, that's not effeminate. Why can't we have somebody like that in the IFB do, do that? But at the same time, you know, when I thought of that, I was like, first off, I don't want to do that. I mean, I really don't want to be thinking about that stuff, talking about that stuff all the time. I mean, it's it's pretty de- depressing. Yeah. You know, I think it would mess with somebody, you know, dealing with that kind of thing all the time. Because uh, it is. Some of the stories are pretty horrible. Some of the things that have happened are just absolutely tragic and horrible. But, you know, why doesn't anybody in the IFB rise up and do that? And I think there's a few reasons. And I think I think a lot of them are good. But one, most of us, we just don't have time. Okay, you know, honestly, I'm pastoring a church. I don't have time to figure out who all the perverts are and expose all of them. And do you, I don't know if you all really want me devoting my ministry to that, just because uh, that just that doesn't seem very rewarding to me. But at the same time, I do want perverts to get exposed. I, I really do. 
you know, another another reason though I think a lot of people in the IFB don't want to do this is because you know we're all scared to death of saying something falsely against one of God's people. I don't, I don't know about you that you know that the thought of that scares me because it is a false accusation is a very serious thing. We do not want to be calling somebody a pervert when they are not a pervert. We do not want to accuse somebody of being a rapist or whatever when they're not. That is a very dangerous thing. We don't want to be spreading gossip. We do not want to do that. And so uh, so it is a, it's a very it's a very dangerous thing when you've got somebody uh you know who's a Baptist preacher who's saved and then you bring an accusation against them. That's that's serious stuff right there. And it's something that needs to be handled with great care. A lot of due diligence needs to go into that to make sure it's legit before it gets handled. But here's the other here's here's one of the main reasons I don't think we'll ever see anybody from within the IFB rise up doing something like this is because in reality, it's not the place of any one figure within the IFB to do something like this. Because we do believe in local churches, don't we? Okay, We're, we don't believe in the universal church, and it is the and, the and here's what you all need to get too. And let me just say this as the pastor, and we put it out there, and you all mark this and save this, in case I ever conveniently need to change my position on this thing. But you know, it's the job of the individual church to deal with and expose the wicked that takes place in their church. There's no God-ordained position out there. There's no uh, person that we can just put over this in the IFB to do this. When a church, because when a church perverts the ways of God, then God will allow the perverts on the outside to come in and to destroy. And we can't. We got. We got to be careful how we handle these things because you know God doesn't need me as the pastor of this church to deal with all the other IFB churches as much as I'd like to sometimes. Sometimes I think they need a pope, and I volunteer. No, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. See, and so if something if something ever happens here, because here's the position that I found myself in before. A lot of times, uh, when a pastor gets accused of something, and I, I could start talking about exa specific examples, I'm not going to do that because I don't know the details on these things. But you'll hear about a pastor who supposedly did something perverted. And then what often happens is the church, and in one situation in particular, the pastor did something perverted, apparently, and the church got rid of him. Good for them. Okay? A congregation should be able to remove a pastor. Let me just say that right now, too. Okay? I'm the pastor of this church, but if I become a pervert, you shouldn't all leave and find another church. No, you should get rid of me. Okay? You should get rid of me, and you can get rid of me. If that kind of thing happens, you can do it. If you don't know the process, we'll talk about that another time. But folks, churches can get rid of their pastors. And if you can't, then what are you in? Okay. And, that, and that's another subject for another day. But so this church, they did the right thing. But here's the problem now. That pastor has gone on and he's pastoring another church somewhere now. And so I'm over here. I didn't get all the information. I don't know specifically what happened. Nothing ever happened legally to this individual, but at the same time, even if nothing legally bad happened, okay, because for, for example, if a pastor commits adultery, nothing's going to happen to him legally. 
But should that guy pastor another church? Absolutely not. So who's going to stop him? Well, it's up to that church to expose him. And this pastor who's pastoring somewhere else now, that congregation should do something to publicly mark him. That's what needs to happen. And if I ever get busted for doing something perverted, you know, here, and here's where you're going to be tempted. Oh, well, we don't want to ruin Liberty Baptist Church's reputation. And folks, let me tell you, that is a lie of the devil right now, right there. Listen, you know what will ruin Liberty Baptist Church's reputation? Is if I do something perverted and you cover it up. Because did you know our world understands that even preachers aren't perfect? That even preachers fall? And they will forgive a church that's got a pervert for a pastor if that church deals with it. And I think one of the greatest proofs of that is Pastor Shiflett's church. When, when, the, when it turned out that the former pastor was a pervert, that church exposed it. Now, most churches today, they naturally, they want to cover that kind of thing up because they don't want to hurt the church's reputation. But did you know, I, I was talking with him a while back, their church has a fantastic reputation in that community. They're known as the church, too, that got rid of the pervert. And that church, it's not looked at as that's the church that had a pedophile in it. No, that's the church that exposed the pedophile that was there. You know what he did when he did the right thing? He salvaged that church's reputation. And that church, most churches, when that kind of thing happens, they end up having a split. They lose a bunch of people. They die and they never recover. That church is doing better than it's ever done before. You know why? Because they trusted God and they did the right thing. And they exposed it. And folks, that is what you have to do. If that ever happens here, and if it happens to any of you, if we ever find out we have some child molester or something in here, we will expose you. And if we find out you're going to another church somewhere, you know what we'll do? We'll call that church up and tell, warn the pastor, that dude's a pervert. But especially if you're in leadership. Especially. Especially the pastor, you all have to get that done. You have to do it. You have to let everyone know. You got to let the world know that Pastor Tommy did this and should not be pastoring anywhere. And then you know what you've done? Now that the proper authorities have dealt with it, you now have something to stand on to protect yourself from making some kind of false accusation. Because, and that, and that's the thing too. There's a lot of the, you know, because, you know, the recovering or the Eric Skorzynski's, they're not as careful as they should be and who they name and who they expose. Sometimes they, uh, they get after people who don't have it coming. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they cross lines. And folks, that's dangerous. And these guys already got judgment coming. You know, what's, you know, what, what are you going to do? Add another return, you know, hour or year to their sentence in hell? I mean, you know, what are you going to do? But, you know, maybe get them there a little bit sooner. But listen, they're not always careful with that, but, and that's why we got to be careful too, because when we're just hearing things that are hearsay and there's nothing official, for example, you know, except a lot of stuff, the police can't do anything about it, you know, because of statute of limitations. But folks, the church doesn't have statute of limitations. Okay? If the police come forward and they say, we know that this guy was videotaping women in his office, we know he was doing it, but, we got a statute of limitations, so we can't do anything. Then you know what that church should do? That church should get up and say, we don't have a statute of limitations. You're busted, Pastor. You're out of here. 
And then you know what they do? They expose him. They tell everyone. And then people like us can stand there on the outside and stand with them and condemn that. But as long as we have is hearsay, when we have no people in, that are, that are uh, you know, in authority anywhere dealing with this kind of thing, it, it puts us in a tough spot. And as much as I do, as much as I hate perverts, as much as I hate pervert pastors, I'm terrified of holding somebody accountable for something that they didn't do. And especially for spreading a lie. I'm terrified of doing that. I'm sorry. I fear God. These people don't. But I do fear God. And so I, we got to be careful about that. But you know what? I'll gladly stand with somebody like Pastor Shiflett against guys like Cameron Giovanelli. You know why? Because the proper authorities, the church, they dealt with it. I don't care that he got found guilty in court too. I mean, that's great. We can go off of that. We can go off what the... Uh, the police and the investigators and things like that say, police reports, if you want to use that, that's fine. But you know what? Better yet, when a church says something about it. Because, you know, I don't always trust the legal system out there. I trust churches more than I do them. I trust churches more than I do the unrighteous judges that are out there, too, that, that sentenced Cameron Giovanelli for like a month or whatever it was he got. He barely got anything. I mean... You know, like, like I'm going to go off what they say more than what the church says. I'm going off what the church says. And we need to understand proper authorities need to deal with it. And what needs to happen, more and more churches need to get this kind of thing right. This is something that the IFB needs to figure out. That it is their individual church's responsibility to call out these things, to deal with these things, and to expose these perverts when they get busted. And you know what? If we don't do it, here's what's going to happen if we don't do it. We're going to keep having the Eric Skorzynski's pop up. We're going to keep having the recovering fundamentalists pop up. That not only are they going to not get all their facts right, but they're also going to bring in their trash doctrine. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. These guys, it's never just about exposing perverts. They're always bringing their bad doctrine in too. Yeah. And, you know, and that that's bad. But you know what? That's what we get when we don't deal with this stuff. Okay? When you don't deal with things properly, when you don't deal with things quickly, then it's the, the solution later is going to be much worse. Have you ever seen these things too? These like nasty infections people get where they like treat it with maggots? I can't imagine having a wound so bad I let them put maggots on me to deal with the infection. You know, but you know what? I would rather deal with it early and just take an antibiotic or something and be done with it. And so let maggots deal with it. But you know what? Because the church hasn't done what it's needed to do when it comes to dealing with these things, we've let this affection grow to where we got to have disgusting solutions like recovering fundamentalists and things. The, I won't call them maggots. But, <laughs> but it just the solution, it's just as disgusting and you know, and you know what? What they're doing is good when they expose the perverts. You know, some of the, listen. This is going to be a sermon for another week. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's there's some bad preaching that goes on in the IFB. There's some really bad preaching. Now, who do we want holding these people accountable? It'd be nice if their congregations held them accountable. Do you know y'all are allowed to do that too? You're all allowed to do that too. If a pastor starts going against the Bible and preaching things that are unbiblical, you don't have to deal with that kind of thing. You know, if, if, and even if you didn't get rid of the pastor, if these churches would just empty out when they preach this trash, maybe guys would quit doing it. 
But you know what? People aren't doing that. What, the congregation, they just sit there and they amen. Stupid, unbiblical preaching. And then you know what we have to do? We have to have low-life bottom feeders like IFB sermon clips. That's such a scumbag and so cowardly that he can't put his name behind anything he does because he knows he knows that he is somebody that no one would want to align themselves with. And you know, and these preachers, they hate getting their stuff featured on there, but you know what? Why don't you deal with your own preaching? And then he doesn't have, guys like him don't have to fix you. Because I, I, again, just like these people, they're not causing any problems in our I love when I have free sermon clips shares my stuff. I, I liked it too much. They quit because of that. I, I don't think he liked it that I was liking and retweeting the clips he was using of mine. But I, I thought what I said was fantastic. You know, I... I thought it was really good. It's like, you know, thank you for the free promotion. You know, and it is, you know, it gets a little frustrating sometimes when you go in the comments. All he does is he shares sermon clips, you know, in context. If you don't like what you're saying, just don't say it. Well, it's not the fact that my clips out there. It's just, did you read what the people said about what I said? It's like, you know, you'll say something and then they just turn it into something that never even crossed your mind. It's not IFB preacher clips. It's all the morons who leave comments on all his clips he shares. It's like, what is wrong with these people? But, he, but either way, I love it. They can share my stuff. I hope he shares a clip of this. He loves getting mentioned, you know, like all narcissists do. They, they love that kind of thing. But he probably won't because he knows I'll like it. <laughs> Even though I can't, I can't actually like it on Twitter because he blocked me. But I will like it. I love it, but but either way, you know, said I, you know, I think I think the IFB needs IFB sermon clips. I do because stupid stuff gets preached and nobody's holding these guys accountable. You listen to stuff these rucktards say, some of the behavior, these camp meeting things, just the bad doctrine, the the misuse of scripture. You know, the proof texting. I mean, there's all these just terrible things. Somebody's got to call this stuff out. And I don't want to waste my time calling up preachers, you know, correcting every little thing they do wrong. But somebody needs to do it. And since nobody in the church is doing it, you know what God has to do? God's got to send in the scummy Babylonians to come in and take care of business. And so I think they're providing good. If churches would start doing what they're supposed to do, then there would be no need for IP preacher clips. There would be no, you know, need for the recovering rejects and things like that. But in the meantime, I do think they are providing some good. I do believe that, like, again, while I say they're doing some good, I still believe they're evil. I believe they will get zero rewards. I believe they will be punished for what they're doing, just like the Babylonians were punished. That is how God works. That's how God does this type of thing. And so, the last thing we, you know, we can do too when it comes to uh, problems in the IFB, people who participate in cover-ups and things, is we can have nothing to do with those involved in sin and cover-ups. We can stand strongly against them. And we can stand strongly with those who judge righteously when sin takes place. But you know what we're not going to do? These guys that are involved in this stuff, that are participating in cover-ups and things, we're not going to invite them to come here and preach. We're not going to go to their meetings and their conferences, no matter how big that conference is. We're not going to go to that. We're not going to support that. Because these people need to be forgotten. 
They need to be removed. They need to be gone. And so understand, confessing the sins of the faults of the IFB, this is not an attack on the IFB. Okay? If I name a sin of an IFB forefather, that's not me saying that they weren't great men and never did anything for God. That's not it. I am I am thankful for what some of these did and just some of the uh, you know you know these trailblazers of the past things they come. I thank God for these people. And you know sometimes it wasn't even a matter of them being good or bad. Sometimes it was just a matter of them making a mistake or being an error. Because again, something that they taught us that we often forget is that they weren't perfect. And sometimes they did. Sometimes they messed up and they made a mistake. Doesn't mean we throw everything of theirs out. Doesn't mean they never did anything for God. And if we really want to honor the men of the past, how about we honor the Jesus that they preached? Why don't we do that? Why don't we learn from their mistakes? That's, that's the thing that we need to do. And unfortunately, uh, we're forgetting about that today. We're, we're leaving that kind of thing out. And if we don't deal with this type of thing, you know what? One of these days, we're going to be the ones, we're going to have people within this church if we get, if we have sin in this church, if we cover up sexual abuse, you know what's going to happen? We're going to have somebody in this church. God's going to send somebody to this church who isn't even saved, somebody who's not really one of us, but they're going to learn about us. That we're going to think uh, we're one of them. We're going to love these people, and then they're going to rise up. They're going to show their true colors. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to make it their mission to destroy us. And it'll look good. It'll, you know, to the enemies out there. Oh man, this guy went to their church. And they're going to be saying all these things about all these people, and that kind of thing hurts. Okay? You know, just I mean, just think about that right now. Okay, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying Brother Austin's bad or I think he's right, but but imagine somebody like Austin that we know, that we love, that we care about. If it turned out that he was in fact an infiltrator, and then we and somebody that we liked that you had over to your house and all this type of things, if someday we see him out there making videos against our church, just saying, you know, revealing everybody's secrets, saying all these bad things. That, that kind of thing hurts, doesn't it? But you know what? If we don't deal with our problems like we're supposed to, something like that is probably what will happen. But the truth is, while there will always be recovering fundamentalists and IFB preacher clips and reason files and all these people, those people will always be around. But if we are innocent, they can't hurt us. You think, you think about... The people that have come after our church. You know, you think about the reason files. How much damage have they done to our church? And all with all the videos they put out about us. Zero. You know, Jeff Dollar. I mean, look how many videos that guy's made about me. Um, Brian Denlinger. The Watchdog. Listen. The only reason I exposed the Watchdog was because I was just disgusted at him as a human being. And I just felt like he needed to go down. But I'm not going to lie. I missed Watchdog and I miss his videos. Our family enjoyed those. You know why? Because when he's out there accusing me of things, it didn't have any bite because there was no truth to it. You know when these people hurt is when there's truth. Reason files, they can't hurt us because they can only lie about us. But it's when they start laying out truth, that's when it hurts. IV preacher clips, they can't hurt us. You know why? Because the, the lies aren't going to have any impact. They have no bite. Anybody who's here and a part of this church are going to see through the junk that people like them do. 
You all see through it, whoever it is. Okay? Even if it's people within our own camp that say negative things against us, you all are here, you all see right through that, and you know what never happens? It never hurts us. It, 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 the, the, think about it, even people within our own camp that have attacked us in the last year, did you know that it's literally only cost us one person and we were all like, thank God. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all thrilled. Now, now that one person, I just noticed they're out commenting on all the haters' channels now. I'm talking like the unsaved haters. The haters, of the, they're like on all their channels now. Thank you. Because we, we were pretty sure they were bad, but we didn't have the goods. We, we, we didn't have the goods on them. See, so what did they do? They just they took out the trash for us. And that's why, you know, no matter how many of these punks and things do this, it's not going to hurt. And the reason so many of these churches are being hurt by the recovering guys and all that is because they do have sin. And God is using people like them to deal with it. And I don't know about you, I hope God never needs to use scum like that to fix our church. I hope we can always take care of our own problems, that we will deal with things the way God intended. And I believe if we, if we will do that, then God will bless us and we, continue, we can continue the good legacy, the good parts of the IFB. We can continue that kind of thing. We can, we can keep it going and we won't have to deal with a lot of the problems that many within the IFB are dealing with. We can be an exception to that thing because I'm telling you, there, there's, there's way too much good to just go throwing it out. We're not dropping the name Baptist. We're not going to do that. We're still going to call ourselves Independent Fundamental Baptist. There's too much good associated with it to throw it all away, but we're not just going to be like some loyalist groupie and act like a Republican who can never call out anything that a Republican does. It's like their job is to only call out the Democrats. No, why don't you deal with things within your own party? No, why don't we deal with things within our own camp and within our own church? That is what God intended. And if we will do that, I believe God will bless us. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these examples. And dear God, I pray you'll help us to practice what has been preached tonight. I pray that we will deal with these problems the way that you ordained and I pray that Lord you will never have to use the Absaloms and Adonijahs and Shimeis and the recovering fundamentalists and, and the likes of that to deal with the problems in this church. I pray that we will deal with things um, as you have ordained and I pray that we'll be able to um, continue to enjoy the benefits of all the wonderful things that we have learned and received from those within the IFB. We thank you for the previous generations and all the wonderful things that they taught us. I pray that we will continue those things. And when it comes to areas where maybe they fell short and made mistakes, Lord, help us to just not focus on them, but focus on you as the one that they were pointing us to. In your name we pray. Amen.